This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Dangerous rhetoric is becoming all too common. That's what we'll be discussing on the show today. Good afternoon, everyone. I am your host, Walker Wildman. And you're listening to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. To find out more about the show, you can visit our website, AFR.net. You know, I'm in this this race that nobody knows about except you and I to have the most podcast viewers or podcast listeners amongst our radio network. And don't tell the other hosts that I'm competing for their spot. But I would love it if each of you would visit our podcast page, specifically my my podcast page. I can't even get it out. And listen to the podcast whenever you would like. On a serious note, uh, you can listen to the show anytime, anywhere, so long as you have an internet connection, by downloading the American Family Radio app. American Family Radio on your app store. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Wildman, at Walker Wildman on Twitter. And if you want to shoot me an email, exposingwashington at AFR.net. Exposingwashington at AFR.net. Well, the topic I want to discuss today is how our political debates are becoming becoming all too dangerous and regard and it regards the rhetoric. A couple of examples over the past few weeks. Many of you remember a couple of weeks ago when Sarah Huckabee Sanders attempted to have dinner with her family in Virginia at a small town restaurant and she was asked to leave by the business owner. And after this happened, we learned that the owner of the restaurant was actually at home or away from the restaurant. And somebody at the restaurant called the owner and said, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is trying to have dinner here. Do you want us to kick her out? So the owner drove to the restaurant and held a vote amongst staff about who should be the biggest bigot and kick Huckabee Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, out of the restaurant. And the staff concluded that Sanders that Sarah Huckabee Sanders had to go. And so the owner went and approached the White House spokesperson and said something to the extent of, we don't agree with your boss's politics, so you need to leave our restaurant. And this is sad and shameful, that an American citizen who serves in the White House can't have dinner in peace, that we have to bring our politics to the restaurant. But I will say, and I will add, that the restaurant owner has the full right to deny service to Sarah Huckabee Sanders for whatever reason. 
I think the restaurant owner has the complete right to deny service to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Do I agree with her decision? Of course not. But nonetheless, the restaurant owner is the sole proprietor of the business and has the right to deny service to anyone for any reason. But I think the same thing, the same rule should apply to the baker who's a Christian who doesn't want to bake a cake for a homosexual, quote, wedding. I think we need to apply the same rule across the board. But of course, the left is not interested in consistency. Instead, the ends justify the means, even if it means flat-out hypocrisy. And so Jack Phillips, Baronel Stutzman, Aaron and Melissa Klein, the list goes on and on and on of Christians who must submit to serve and to praise with their artistic skills sexually deviant behavior. They have to do it. But the business owner, the restaurant owner in Virginia, doesn't have to serve Sarah Huckabee Sanders because of her politics. Another example of this is the Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi. She was verbally assaulted at a movie theater a couple weeks ago in Florida. For those who don't know, the Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi, she is very, very good on constitutional issues. She's a very constitutional and fair-minded attorney general from Florida. And she was heckled by three, at least three large men and a couple women at the movie theater. And if you want to hear this exchange, I'm going to play it. This is clip one. Pam Bondi is trying to go to the movie, and this is what she has to listen to. Let's listen. Taking away health insurance with people with pre-existing conditions, Pam Bondi. Shame on you! Shame on you! Shame on you! She doesn't care. Shame on you, Pam Bondi, and taking away health insurance with pre-existing conditions. Well, a lesson for starters, cannot take away health insurance from anyone. And so I have no idea what that lady who's shouting is talking about. And oftentimes, if you ask them, they don't even know what they're talking about. But nonetheless, Pam Bondi is with her boyfriend trying to go see a version of Mr. Rogers at the movie theater. And she's getting heckled, spit on, approached by these protesters and without her state trooper protecting her and the local police department, who knows what would have happened? Who knows? But this is the tactics of the liberals. This is the tactics of the Democrats. And for those Democrats who don't agree with these tactics, I would like to hear from you because I haven't seen many people denouncing such behavior. I'm sure there's been a few, but not many. Another story 
I mean, this is this this is the list goes on on these stories. This is this also happened a couple weeks ago. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nelson. She was trying to have dinner in Washington D.C. and she was heckled to the point that she had to leave. And I'm going to play clip two here. This is at a restaurant, Washington D.C. This is a cabinet secretary. Trying to have dinner. Let's listen. As, as abolish ice. Abolish ice. Abolish ice. Abolish ice. Abolish ice. Shame. So if you're listening to that video, you know, it might sound like the protesters are maybe like across the street. But these these protesters were like five feet from the secretary's dinner table. And how on earth her security detail allowed this group of thugs and mobsters to get this close to the cabinet secretary's dinner table is baffling. This is one of the top cabinet officials in our country, and she's got people standing over her dinner table shouting her down. Now, I can see how if you're walking down the street, maybe across the street, down the street, you got some folks protesting and they're yelling. You know, I could understand that. And maybe they and they have the right to do that as long as they're on a public sidewalk. But they're they're in the restaurant. They're in the restaurant. Once again, can you imagine if one of those folks had a knife or a gun? What what could have happened there? So I think the security details for these public officials is way too relaxed. They should have never gotten that close. And that's not the last example. I want to play clip three here. This is the transportation secretary, Elaine Chow, who is Senator Mitch McConnell's wife. They're leaving Georgetown University after a speaking engagement. And listen to how they're approached and shouted down by a group of men. Well, that's another clip. That time, as I mentioned, Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow, and her husband, Senator Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader. Well, that group of protesters was not across the street. They were not across the street. They weren't down the street, and they weren't 100 yards away. They were standing at the door of their SUV while they're trying to get in the SUV. Once again, how the folks are allowed 
to get that close to someone of that importance baffles me. I don't know who's in charge of security for the Secretary of Transportation, but this was a huge failure on their part. And so, thankfully, nothing happened. No one was injured. But this group of like four or five men are standing at the back of the Suburban arguing with a cabinet official while she's trying to get in the vehicle. And so this this stuff um, is, is, has gone way too far. And the Secretary of Transportation said, leave my husband alone. And for that, I say good for her. And, you know, I don't, I don't agree with everything Senator Mitch McConnell does. Y'all have heard what I think of his policies and his decisions on the show. But his security details should not allow those folks to get that close to him. But this is how the liberals work. They use intimidation and fear to force people to submission. And I believe that plays a large role in the inaccuracy of, of a lot of these polls that you see. A lot of these political polls on, you know, how popular President Trump is and what are the chances of him winning the election in 2016. I think that these polls are so skewed because nobody wants to say, yeah, I support President Trump. It's like you're in a classroom and everybody and, and the teacher says, Who supports President Trump? And half of the folks who support President Trump don't raise their hands. And the other half kind of raise it like up to their, you know, like halfway. And then only like three or four raise it all the way as high as they can. That's because nobody wants to get shouted down by the mobsters. But when you have a confidential poll, we find out that half of the country loves President Trump. And so the left and this, these intimidation tactics always seem to turn around and haunt their own objectives. Completely changing topics here. Just, uh, just two weeks ago, the Supreme Court issued some of its final rulings for the term before they went on vacation. And the Supreme Court dealt a huge blow to public employee unions. Banning mandatory fees. That is a headline. And, and, and just to explain this in layman terms, these public employee unions were gathering mandatory fees from all of the employees, regardless of whether the employees wanted to be a member of the union or not. This had been going on for decades. I think it dates back to a 1977 Supreme Court ruling. But the Supreme Court, five to four, couple weeks ago, ruled that labor unions cannot force employees to pay union dues. And this is a victory, I would say, for the American worker. And it's a victory for the American people. And I really don't understand how the Supreme Court could have ruled back in the 70s that these unions can basically collect taxes from those who work for the public, for, for the public. I mean, that, that, that just boggles my mind that unions could have forced employees across the board to pay these union dues, even if they didn't want to. 
And where this where this 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 lawsuit originated is the Democrats are supported heavily by these unions. And some of the union members got together and said, I don't want to be supporting Democratic causes, Democrat causes. And that's where my money to these unions is going. And so thankful to the Supreme Court that they struck down that. And that is a huge blow to the bank accounts of the Democratic Party. Another encouraging headline, this is out of foxnews.com, dated June 27th, and that is, the headline reads, Ivanka Trump donates 50000 to Texas megachurch to help migrant children, according to their pastor. And the, 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 the church they're talking about is Prestonwood Baptist Church, a very large church in Plano, Texas, Pastor Jack Graham there is is the lead pastor, a man of which I hear great things about and that I respect. And so Ivanka Trump donated $50,000 $50, to help these children who were brought over the border by adults, illegal immigrants. And so this just shows, folks, that despite the fact that the liberals and the Democrats paint Republicans and conservatives and those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ who believe in the Bible— Despite the fact that many people paint us as heartless, uh, full of, uh, are uh, lacking compassion, and we don't care for those in need, that is totally not true. And Ivanka Trump's a Jew, but this church is a Bible-believing church, Prestonwood Baptist Church, who is helping children who came across the border with their with their adults illegally. Prestonwood Baptist Church is helping them, and so. While the Democrats in Washington refuse to do anything about our broken immigration system, and while the Hollywood elites are complaining about how much they care about the illegal immigrants and calling us the heartless ones, churches, Christians, disciples in Texas and across the country are actually physically helping those in need. And that is an encouraging news story. That is an encouraging news story. And, and I completely agree with what Prestonwood Baptist Church is doing. Because this shows that you can be in favor of law and order and also show compassion and heart to those in need. And so I think the adults who cross the border illegally should be fully prosecuted should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and deported. I think while they're here and while the children are here, we can also help them and help meet their needs, just like many churches have prison ministries where you send some members of the church to the prison maybe once a week and help minister and care for those in prison and oftentimes lead those in prison to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So great encouraging news story out of Texas there. Another uh, news story along the same lines. The U.S. House of Representatives voted two weeks ago on the largest amnesty bill in history. If it would have passed, it would have, and, and become law, of course, it would have added 2.2 million illegal, illegal immigrants to, uh, it would have basically given them citizenship, some form of it. But it also would have 
uh, given $25 billion, I believe, to President Trump's border wall. So you might say, well, surely that can get bipartisan support. It did not get bipartisan support at all. And as a matter of fact, I believe I'm correct in the fact that zero Democrats voted for the bill. And so here the Democrats are saying, you know, we we do need secure borders, but we also need we need we need amnesty. We need we need a path to citizenship for those who are in our country illegally. Well, Democrats, here's your chance. And not one Democrat voted for it. And this proves that Democrats are only interested in open borders. They are not interested even to the to the to the smallest degree in providing and exchanging and compromising any border security for amnesty. And it's just baffling that the Democrats complain and they go on and on and on about how much of a bad, how bad of a problem we have on the southern border. But when it comes to fixing it, they're nowhere to be found. And and not to mention the Democrats are anxious to strike a deal with the, the Republicans, I mean, are anxious to strike a deal with Democrats on this issue. Most of them. But President Trump had something to say about this. He put out a tweet. On June 22nd, about a week before this vote was held, and he said Republicans, this is directly from President Trump's Twitter account, Republicans should stop wasting their time on immigration until after we elect more senators and congressmen in November. Dems, Democrats are just playing games, and they have no intention of doing anything to solve this decades-old problem. We can pass great legislation after the red wave. But President Trump is correct. Let's quit wasting Congress's time and the American people's time on something we all know is not going to pass. And it's not like Congress doesn't have anything to do. Congress has a lot of things that they should be doing. And as a matter of fact, heading into September, at the end of September, Congress has... 12 appropriation bills, 12 spending bills that need to be passed before the end of September. They need to be uh, uh, handed over to the president's desk for his signing, for his approval, before the end of September. Well, guess how many appropriation bills Congress has fully passed and sent to the president's desk? Zero. They've sent zero. They've been working on this for months, or at least we think they've been working on it, and they've sent zero appropriation bills to the president's desk to be signed. And so come September, come mid-September, the media, the Republicans, the Democrats, everyone in Washington is being, is going to be saying this. And mark my word, they're going to be saying, oh, we just haven't had time to do it. We, we just need to pass one of these short-term bloated spending bills. You know, just let's just get this passed and then I promise we'll fix this problem. We've got to fund our military. We've got to fund Social Security. And it's, it's like a broken record. Congress needs to pass all 12 appropriation bills before September 30th. And what this is going to lead to 
It's deja vu. One of these one plus trillion dollar spending bills that nobody likes and that has a lot of government waste in it, but it's our tax dollars. They're going to pass another one of these bills, and I hope President Trump vetoes it. I hope President Trump vetoes it. Because until we fix the broken budget system that we have, it's not even really a budget system anymore. It's like a massive credit card. And whoever wants to swipe it gets to swipe it. And so President Trump has to veto it. That's the only way to force Congress to do the right thing. And if it means a government shutdown, then so be it. We might actually save a little bit of money if we shut the government down. Another topic here, this headline is out of foxnews.com. But it appears, according to reports, that North Korea is continuing construction of a nuclear research facility despite the agreement with the United States to, quote, denuclearize. And now, I cannot independently verify this report. It's from an organization called 38 North, and I'll post this on our podcast page. But according to these folks, the North Korean dictatorship is still developing, or at least to a certain extent, researching nuclear weapons. And so I'm sure that President Trump and his intelligence officials are on top of this. I just have to say this. President Trump needs to be very, very careful about striking deals with people like the North Korean dictator. Because these dictators, such as Kim Jong-un, have lied repeatedly to the United States on what they're going to do. And I just don't want, for the good of our country, I don't want this to turn into another Iran deal where it's egg on the United States' face and everybody on the world stage laughs at us because that's not good for any of, of us. It's not good for our country. And so President Trump needs to make sure 100% that North Korea is going to fully denuclearize before we start giving high fives, if you will. And the only way to do that, I believe it was Ronald Reagan who said, Trust but verify. Trust but verify. And we need to trust but verify. And President Trump needs to make the case, make our verification case to the American people. The American people need to know how President Trump and his administration are going to verify that North Korea is giving up its nuclear weapons. Because until we have that proof that solid proof that North Korea is serious about this, then I don't believe one word they say because it's all talk and no action. So that's just a warning to President Trump and his administration. Trust but verify, as Ronald Reagan said. Thank you, folks, for joining the show, Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. It's great to be with you this Saturday afternoon. Stay tuned to American Family Radio the rest of your afternoon, and I'll be back with more of Exposing Washington on American Family Radio next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.